Hi, friend. You are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, a podcast created especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. My name is Janelle Wood, and while I have a background in counseling and ministry with women, the truth is I've been through my own seasons of questioning my faith. So if you've ever struggled with not being sure where you belong, or you felt like you were faking faith, or maybe a friend just shared this episode with you and you are feeling a little wounded or skeptical of all things God-related right now, welcome. This podcast is just for you. Finding Something Real is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. My passion is Jesus Christ, and for me now, After having been through some real ups and downs on my own faith journey, I believe Christ is the hope and the answer to this world more than ever. But don't take my word for it. Listen to my friends as they share their own grace-filled journeys with you. My prayer is that if you haven't already, you'll find something real too. Well, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And listen, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, hello, we're excited you're listening in for season four, where each month I've been co-hosting this podcast with a different young woman. My special co-host each month shares her faith story and asks questions related to spiritual matters. And then throughout the month, we're inviting special guests on to share their stories and also address some of my co-hosts' honest questions. I am loving this format and all the special young women that I've had the privilege of co-hosting this podcast with so far this year. It's just been such a delight and a gift. And I want to say thank you for those of you who support this podcast in some way. I know I talk about Patreon on here often, and that's definitely a very tangible way you can support what we're doing here on the Finding Something Real podcast. Um, with your contribution each month. But also, I just want to shout out to those of you who leave a podcast review, send an email, or just share with your friends or social media feeds. Your support of what we're doing here is greatly appreciated. And more information can be found on my website at findingsomethingreal.com. Just click support at the top of the page. Also, real quick, I want to just say thank you to Laurel Denise for being uh, this episode's sponsor. You've probably heard me talk about Laurel Denise before, but she creates and her team creates uh, hand-created jewelry that's personal and beautiful. And you can find out more about Laurel Denise at laureldenise.com. It's a great place to shop for the holidays. And uh, just shout out to her and on all the great... Um, the great support that's come our way because of that endorsement this year. So thank you, Laurel Denise. And also, before I jump into welcoming back this month's co-host, I want to tell you about an exciting opportunity, friend. I'm starting to get really excited about our plans for Season 5, starting in 2022. And so if you or someone in your life is, one, a young woman between the ages of 17 to 25, Two, questioning faith, deconstructing what you've been taught or wondering about spirituality. Or three, you have questions about God that you would be willing to talk about on a podcast. It's actually not or, it's and. So one, two, and three, and you have questions about God. Um, If that's you or someone you know who might be interested in a unique opportunity here, please go over to my website, findingsomethingreal.com. Click on Be on the Podcast at the top of the page for more information. We're doing things a little differently in Season 5, and I'd love for you to be the first to know about that. So today, we are back with November's special co-host, Savannah. Savannah has shared on the podcast about her Christian faith journey, her desire to follow Christ, and she has some fantastic questions about living that out. So Savannah... I'm really excited that you are back today. Hello, hello. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> You've been working a lot. Yes. Um, how are you doing? Doing okay. Doing yeah. good. Yeah, I have awesome coworkers, so it makes it actually really fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, even though it's fun, I know it's a lot of work still. So yes. I was going to ask you a question. We're, we're in the middle of the holiday season now. I'm wondering, what is your favorite holiday drink? Like, what is the thing that you love to get that's like, brings all the feels, you know? Easy. Eggnog all the way. Really? I already have it in my fridge. Just plain eggnog. Nothing yep. added to it? Just, Just plain it? eggnog. Okay. Okay. Have you ever had eggnog and 7-Up together? No. Like as a punch? 
Our, no, our guest today is, is pointing. She knows oh. it's a thing. Yes. My mother introduced me to it years ago. For those listening, I know it sounds gross. It's not. Do about <laughs> do about half and half, half eggnog, half 7-Up uh, or Sprite. And if you want it more watered down, you can kind of change the consistency. Or if you want a little more heavy on the eggnog, it's an eggnog punch without any alcohol. And it's really fun. Yum. You could call like seven nog or something cool like that. You could. You could. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's a thing, you know. I mean, Sounds my mom so was good. making it back in the 80s. It's been a tradition for my family for years and years. Yeah. But that's one of our favorites. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm definitely going to try that. You should. And maybe it'll make the seasonal menu. It, it could, you know. Yeah. Do you have a, a favorite like Christmas holiday tradition with your family? Ooh, yes. We do this thing called the Christmas saran wrap ball. And so my mom puts it together every year and wraps different little things inside each layer of saran wrap and it just turns into a giant ball. And then we have to put socks on our hands and we have to try and get it opened. And it ends up with me and my two brothers literally like fighting for the death on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm ready for this year. I'm pumped up. Yeah. (laughs) Does she put stuff that you actually want in there? Yes. They have like Chick-fil-A gift cards, money, um, like gum, anything, chapstick. I really like, you know, those little scent things you put in your car, those little vent things. She puts those in there for me. And so I try my best to get to those. I know it sounds nerdy, but I love them. (laughs) No, it sounds like your mom is like super cool. Shout out to Christy Dunbar. (laughs) Shout out to Christy. Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. so fun. That's really cool. A few years ago, um, when we moved to the town we live in now, my husband and I, I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before, maybe in a different one, but um, we started going back to our old town and like doing an elfing situation with my family. And so we dress up sometimes and then we go and we deliver like bags of chocolate and candy and like turn on the holiday music. And last year I got my husband to practically dress up like Santa Claus. (laughs) That Which is amazing. It's kind of a big deal because he's not like that. And yeah, it was really fun. It's you really need to fun. You put that on your live stream this year because I will <laughs> so watch. <laughs> it is so fun. Maybe I will. Maybe yes. I will. <laughs> Follow me on Instagram for really awkward family moments. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Follow Janelle Wood on yeah. Janelle underscore M underscore Wood. Okay. Well, Savannah, you had... You've had some great questions. We've had some great conversations. Um, last week, you weren't able to be here for Abby McDonald when she was sharing um, about, you know, the path of growing up in a Christian home and how that can look like a journey for a lot of different people. And it is a journey for everyone. But um, you've been involved in all these questions that we've been asking them. Um, but you had a really great one that when you asked it, I thought pretty quickly of my friend here that's here with us today. But um I'll just read it, and then you, if you want to add anything to it before we we uh, introduce today's guest, that's great. Um, but you said, how can Christians incorporate science and psychology without limiting God or overdoing it? I think that's such an interesting question and one that is definitely relevant to our culture, um, but a little messy. So tell me a little bit more about that. Um, well, I've always wondered, especially dealing with certain scenarios like physical health, mental health. Um, I'm actually going to be in the nursing field. And we do a lot having to do with science and psychology and facts and things like that. And so it's always fascinated me how I can still ground myself on that in the field I work in, but still at the same time, like, not put, you know, those limits on God or say that God isn't the ultimate healer for those who do believe, you know, so that was very interesting to me. And I wanted to know more about it. Oh, well, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're here. And I'm glad that you're exploring that. Because I think sometimes if people aren't going into the sciences, or into like the medical field or psychology field, that maybe it's easier to kind of ignore that until something happens uh, to either a friend or somebody they love or to themselves. Um, I know just a few years ago, I was reading a book by J.P. Moreland. I think I've referenced it on here before. Um, He's a Christian academic and theologian. Um, He's written, I think, books on like apologetics, and he's a professor at one of the universities. I don't know which one. 
Um, but his book, Finding Quiet, I thought was so good because it addresses the, the question of um, anxiety. And I think the byline is something like overcoming anxiety and the practices that bring peace or something. Um, but I felt it was a tremendous book when I was reading it. He talked about some of the pushback he got from the church in bringing psychology into Christian settings. And one of the things that he shared, um, you know, was like not being invited back to certain groups um, and how, you know, he wasn't supposed to talk about certain things. And recently I went to Amazon just to, to be honest, to get another copy of that book. Um, And I was struck by one of the first reviews that I read, uh, the first customer review. Um, It read in part, um, this is a customer saying this, it would be my observation that Moreland, a proclaimed theologian, regrettably uses psychology to confirm his theology rather than allowing his theology to authenticate his psychology. An alarming and dangerous difference through, uh, though admittedly, a popular one today. So what is the relationship between faith and psychology? How can we have these conversations that are, I think, so important Um, having a healthy respect for scientific discoveries regarding human behavior and brain chemicals and medicine and still put God first. And today's guest is here to talk with us about it. I'm so thrilled to have her here. She was actually one of my very first guests on this podcast way back in September of 2019. She's been my friend for a long time. In fact, we went to grad school together to, uh, you might recognize a bias here, to get our master's degree in psychology. <laughs> she was uh, she was one of my uh, very dear friends, and she still is. Uh, we've been friends for a very long time, and I'm grateful for her insights and expertise and the fact that she didn't fall in love with my husband when I tried to convince her to back when I wasn't sure I wanted to date him. Uh, please welcome back to the podcast my friend Bree Jeffries. Bree, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me back. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, you remember those days. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, really. No, it doesn't. No. In fact, let's see, 2013. So about this time in 2012, we met, I think. No, no. We met almost 20 years ago in January of 2002. Two, 2002, sorry. Wasn't it? I always think in my head that I graduated in 2015, and that's very wrong. It was 20. Maybe, maybe it was, (laughs) we might have to cut this out. Maybe it was January 2003. We met in December 2002. Yeah. Because I married Brian in August of 2004. Right. And we graduated in 2005. Yeah. There we go. And I was only three years old. (laughs) You shut your face. I liked you until then. (laughs) I knew it was dangerous for me to say that out loud. There's a psychologist. (laughs) Bray, what do you do for a living? Well, I counsel people with trauma. (laughs) And I'm out here causing trauma. (laughs) Love it. Somehow, Savannah. It's a revolving revolving door. Now you're going to have to hire her. No, no. For real, though, uh, I mean, that's, I know a true story. Real quick before we get into that, um, what is your favorite holiday drink, Brie? You were nodding along when I was talking about the eggnog punch. Well, okay, so I gotta be, I gotta be honest about the eggnog punch situation because I was not about it. I was like, that sounds disgusting. And honestly, it sort of looks disgusting because it gets a little frothy with the eggnog part in the, in the Sprite. It's so cool. It's so good. It's stupid good, folks. Like, give it a try for real. I use like Sprite Zero or uh, 7-Up, like Diet 7-Up instead. And uh, yeah, it's really good. I don't know if I would say it's my favorite holiday drink. I don't know what my, I'm not much, like I, I'm a, I like chai tea and pumpkin spice stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I love peppermint in, in drinks and stuff too. So I don't really have a favorite drink. I definitely have a favorite meal, oh, holiday meal. Do tell, because I think that right now it, it just, you know, it's suggestions for anyone who's wanting a little ho- holiday cheer in their life. Yeah. Go ahead. What's the favorite okay. holiday meal? But Thanksgiving dinner is my favorite because you can, and I feel like I've said this exact same sentence eight times this week already, but you can literally just stab your plate with a fork anywhere 
and shove it in your mouth and it all tastes good together. So I love the turkey stuffing, mashed potatoes, homemade cranberry sauce. Like, yeah, it's just delicious. And I, I don't know why we don't make it more than once a year. I mean, I know like when you make all the components, it's a process, but it's worth it. It's so <laughs> worth it. I didn't think about that, that you could just go anywhere on the plate. <laughs> and it all tastes good. Literally, they're like, "Oops, missed missed the green bean casserole yeah. on that bite. I'll catch it up next one." That That's should it. be a TikTok video. I think you should make one, <laughs> and then I'll go viral. Um, speaking of TikTok, we were talking about that recently on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I oh. want you to know, girls, that I bought something that I I saw on TikTok. Hang oh. on, just a second. Okay, I'm so ready for this. TikTok made her buy it. <laughs> this is called what is a hair terrifying ribbon. That's you put a hair it on ribbon. Your, yes. Oh yeah. You put it on your head like this. You put a clamp here. It's downstairs. You get these little scrunchies and you curl your hair around. And guess what? My hair looks good today. And look why. It's beachy wavy. Wow. Whoa. Mm-hmm. It was just from that. That's cool. I did one cur- like one or two curls that were out that fell out, but it worked. And I slept like that all night. It was a little awkward, but I think I was I gonna say, it. I'm sure Brian really appreciated <laughs> that will be in the link. Wow. <laughs> Let me ask though, Janelle, when he turned over and saw you, did he go <laughs> <laughs> Happy <No>. Halloween? <laughs> okay. You know what? It actually kind of looks cute. It kind of looks like you're wearing like um like Hippie braids, long like a little kid. Yeah. yeah, you could do it out here, but you might be surprised by the, <laughs> by the effect. <laughs> Brian may get a, one of those to the eye in the middle of the night. <laughs> it's be long, long. situation happening. My hair is not long enough, but I was very pleased with the results. And my exchange student daughter um, from Germany, she was like, wow, your hair looks really good because I never do my hair after like more than a week after seeing my hairdresser. So it's an improvement. So TikTok is now advertising things? I don't... Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, sort of. Sort of. People post videos of them. Yeah. And then everyone wants to get it. Okay. And I've had it happen a few times where I just found my holy grail secret products, you know? Yeah. Like a really good moisturizer or something. And I'm like, oh, this is all mine. And then someone posts it on TikTok and it's gone within a week and I get really sad. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I have officially reached that age where... um, TikTok, <laughs> like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> My nephews post stuff on TikTok. I'll, they'll show me, and I'm, I love what they show me. But I have, I have gotten into like a, a two-hour brain suck on TikTok mm-hmm. one time, and then I realized I this, I can't have this in my life. It's like it was, it felt the same as the Pinterest. Oh yeah, you get sucked into Pinterest for like eons because you're like, oh, and that one looks good, and oh, I want to try that recipe. <laughs> There's yeah. like a middle-aged TikTok. I'm not even kidding. There's like like the moms of TikTok or the dads of TikTok or like because people say, moving along. Oh my goodness! Okay, I, that's like two, two strikes, <laughs> Savannah. Two strikes. Well, you said, you said, you said that I'm too old to be on TikTok. I know I can say these things. <laughs> There's like a middle aged TikTok. It's really cool. Okay. Check that out, maybe. I don't know. I'll try to get over my take, take that out. I don't want to look like I'm hating on middle-aged people. No, it's it's totally staying in. It's very funny. Okay. Oh, no. Uh, oh, goodness um, gracious. So, so Brie, you're here to talk about um, some psychology issues. Would you tell us a little bit more about your background? Um, what have you been up to since grad school? Well, um, uh, four years ago, I started my private practice. Before that, I was in community mental health mostly. Um, But I've been in private Christian counseling practice since um, the beginning of 2018. And um, my specialty is, like I mentioned, in trauma. I work with all age groups, really, um, mostly adults and um, like teens. Um, But um, yeah, so we, I work with people that have had developmental trauma that have had, um, significant, um, you know, physical and sexual abuse trauma, um, neglect, um, parents that were dysfunctional or, um, had personality, personality disorders themselves. And, um, we work through how that's showing up in people's lives now and kind of with the premise that, you know, obviously what 
we went through earlier in life impacts who we are today and what we're going through today impacts who we are in the future. And so wanting to be really mindful of that connection and, um, and do some reprocessing of those painful bits so we can show up as authentically and real as we would like to be in our everyday life. Mm. I think you mentioned EMDR. Will you explain what that is? <laughs> Sorry, my dog just barked. <laughs> um, EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, and that is why we call it EMDR. <laughs> and it basically works with the premise that we know, um, again, through science, we know that in REM sleep, we um, are able to get the most restful sleep and our brain is able to kind of process through the day, right? So that's what dreams are technically, right? It's our brain like trying to make sense of the day or our stresses or worries, um, or they're, sometimes they're just random things. But um, what EMDR does is it uses what we call bilateral stimulation. And um, uh, so it's eye movements. You might see like people that say, follow my fingers and do this, or maybe they have a light bar. That's one of the eight phases of EMDR. That's, a, that's the one that people recognize EMDR for is that is that process. But basically what we're doing is creating a safe environment where we can start to examine the things that are really painful for us. We can examine some of the negative beliefs we have about ourselves that come out of those traumas and painful moments in our lives. And then we can start reprocessing those memories and understanding that the memory doesn't have to bring up the emotion as though it's happening again to you right now. So mm -hmm. um, we use that that bilateral stimulation. We, there's it's um, evidence based that that it works really well. There's MRI scans that they do before it, they've done before and after treatment of EMDR to show what's all lit up before is the the older part of the mammalian kind of part of our brain that like snap decision fight flight freeze part of us. Um, that that's all activated before and at the end of treatment, the activity is happening in the prefrontal um, cortex where we're able to do more of our like logical connected thinking. Um, so it's really cool to see that not only is it like, like, is it sort of awesome to see the growth and change, but that there's actual evidence um, scientifically that it's working. Mm. Wow. And you, I mean, you mentioned that there, it's scientifically proven to be successful, but anecdotally, have you seen mm -hmm. the same kind of results in your practice? That people, oh, yeah. It's made it's, a major difference. It's so cool to see people that have significant complex trauma um, be able to grow in empowerment and understanding of who they are and the truth of who they are. And because it's a Christian practice, you know, not all, but most of my clients are, are believers. And so growing in that understanding of who they really are in Christ and who and like how how God intended them to be and show up in the world is a, is something that they can they can grab onto now and know that that is truth for them and that they don't have to live in those lives any longer. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um I know that you've been on the podcast before and you shared a lot of your own faith journey and um, I was looking back at some of the show notes from that episode, and I think um, I had written something down like, this is encouragement for those who feel like they've been rejected or, um, you know, left behind or all these different, you know, negative things. We had talked about overcoming your ish, the issues, yeah. and you had yeah. shared quite a bit of your own trauma. Um, but what keeps you going, Bree? What, why do you do what you do? Um, I I do what I do because I believe that um, God has given me gifts that fit with this type of ministry more than anything else. I feel like even like, I feel like I have the gift of hospitality, for instance, and I feel like that plays into what I'm doing. Um, I feel like because of my own trauma and background, I'm more em um, empathetic and understanding of other people's situations. Um, and quite a few years ago, I started realizing that what I'm doing is not just a job or a career, but it's actually ministry and being able to, to be the hands and feet of, of Christ in the work that I do uh, with Christians and non-Christians too, because it's giving them a different sampling of what Christianity could be for the clients that I see that are, are not believers right now, you know? Um, so what keeps me coming back to the work is just like, like, you know, when you do a job, 
that it's a job and you go and you like expend energy and then you're done with the day and you're exhausted. Um, it doesn't feel like that. Um, it feels like energizing to have a good session with a client and to see them have revelations or see that growth and they, they notice it themselves and like having that, that time with them, um, is energizing instead of, instead of draining. And don't get me wrong. Like you pour a lot of yourself out as a counselor, that is for sure. But that's what keeps me coming back into the space every day is that being able to like know that what I'm doing makes a difference. Like there's, it's, it's happening in front of me. I see the effects of me showing up for people and um, utilizing this as my ministry, not just that job. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I, um, I want to allow Savannah to ask her question here in just a second, but one more question kind of related to how um, I introduced this question today. Have you seen a lot of tension between, uh, I guess, mainstream Christianity or the ideas in the church and the work that you do as a therapist? Oh, yeah. Um, on several different levels, like I'll speak, I'll start by just speaking to EMDR alone. Like I have a lot of Christians that are like, well, what, what's happening to my brain during that time? Like, are you hypnotizing me? Is this, you know, and it's not hypnosis in any way. You're hundred percent present. You're a hundred, like the, if you're not present, then we stop, right? Like it, you need to be present for this work. Um, <clears throat> but there's a lot of insecurity and fear. I think that comes in with like what's what's happening if there's something out of the ordinary right like just talk therapy can be hard for people but when you go into this like we're going to reprocess trauma and i'm gonna like follow a light what um and i do you know i do (laughs) when i talk to clients about it i say it's both a combination of science and a little it's a little hooey hooey (laughs) because it just works really well and it's kind of strange um lean into the strange you know um in fact janelle i use you as an example quite a bit no 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 not in a bad way i use you as an example because when when we were doing photography we would do these photo shoots with women Mm-hmm. And we would, um, that we're, we're meant to help them feel beautiful and see themselves in a different way and feel that confidence and empowerment, right? And we, they'd get their hair and their makeup done and they looked stunning, but they're still like super insecure in their bodies. And Janelle would pose them and she would, they would be like, what, really? You want my shoulder back here and my elbow up here? And like, I'm looking sideways at you with cross-eyed, you know, whatever the case may be. And Janelle would say, look, it feels weird, but it looks great, right? Because the image on the photo was a whole different thing. It wasn't them all twisted around. It was a gorgeous shot. And so I use that a lot in in explaining and talking about EMDR and mindfulness even. Like some of these practices feel weird, but they work great. Mm-hmm. And the outcome is what we're looking for, not what's going on in the in, you know, in the weird, in the weirdness of learning this, right? Um Anyway, so going back to sort of like the um, the cultural piece, I guess. Um, so there's actually focus on the family. Thank God, thank God, literally thank God. Wrote an article on EMDR, endorsing it for Christians, explaining it, helping them understand that there's nothing weird happening. And so I will reference that a lot with with my clients that are not so sure and if my clients don't want to do it, they don't do it, right? Like we have other ways of getting getting at things. This EMDR just happens to be the most effective way that I have seen. Um, so in that regard, like the resistance or fear, confusion, that kind of thing I've seen come up in private practice. Now, when I was in community mental health, um, in community mental health, clients have they have severe mental illnesses that are really persistent. And so I would have many clients on my caseload that had schizophrenia or uh, schizoaffective disorders, bipolar disorders. There was a lot of big mental health issues that were in front of me. And there, there were times um, that, that when clients were really dysregulated, that I wasn't sure what I was seeing. I wasn't sure if it was a physical, psychological, medical issue or if there was something spiritual going on or a combination of that. And so 
um, I've, I've made it my practice to just be praying in the spirit, um, in the space and asking for guidance and wisdom to show me what was really happening in that space and what, how I could really help. And I guess that speaks to like understanding back then, even that what I was doing was ministry, not just counseling people. Um, I think that as a society, Christian Christianity aside, I think as a society, we want answers for things that are confusing and complicated. And we try to find answers and make answers happen. And sometimes if we can't do that, we just label it as scary, fearful, not okay, not of God. And so I think we have to be really, really careful when we look at things like that, because it's easy for, it's easy for somebody not trained to look at somebody having a psychotic episode and think they're possessed by demons. For instance, this is a for instance, but a pretty frequent for instance. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's, that's not necessarily the case, right? Like, it's actually mostly not the case. Um, that is a an organic illness that happens in the brain that can be chemically understood. And, um, and it's, it's not just it's not just a, a, an unknown, right? Um, but it looks scary. So we label we throw th those things in the box, right? We throw we throw the things that don't make sense, and don't we don't understand into a box and we limit the possibility that illness looks different from one person to the next, right? That's how I've seen it show up throughout my career for the 20 years I've been doing this work. Yes. So the question I had was about psychology, science, and God, and how the two come together. Because a lot of the times dealing with, like you said, mental health, um, physical health, or even, like I said, I'm going into the medical field to be a nurse, all of those things use science and psychology and things like that, and they're so important. But at the same time, how do we still include God in the mix for someone who is a believer and not put those limits on God and what he can do in your life and the miracles he can work for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a really, that's a really big and broad question. Um, and I think what it comes down to, as big and broad as it is, is a very individual um, experience, right? Um, I obviously I'm in this field, so I have a, a bent on my <laughs> my belief in what and how I would answer that. Um, and my own experience with my own mental health issues has been a journey in that as well. Um, I think, so I'll speak, I'll, I'll speak personally first, I guess. Um, I have um, an anxiety disorder. I have complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, that plays out in looking like um, getting anxious about probably almost everything to some degree and getting sometimes really fixated on, on, on those fears and concerns about the future and also um, because of a complex post-traumatic stress disorder, re-experiencing um, really strong emotions over stuff that triggers information from the past, right? So I'm doing my own EMDR work, by the way. Like, I, I believe in it. I What is that? Hair club for men. I... <laughs> not only I'm not only the owner but I'm a member too right so like I <laughs> I subscribe to my own my own treatment um as it as it were so um you know with with depression with anxiety um with I'm just going to stick in the lane of anxiety right now because I feel like I feel like especially with anxiety, well, and I'll get to depression too, but especially with anxiety, I feel like um, there are some pretty pat answers that we get from mainstream evangelical Christianity about like, you shouldn't be anxious. The Bible says, don't be anxious about anything. And they, then they lump it in as sin. And so then you've got this organic thing happening in your brain that you're trying desperately to find relief from. And on top of that, you're, it's compounded with the belief that I'm sinning. Now I'm sinning against God because I, I can't get this under control, right? Um, 
and that phrase alone, I, I can't get this under control is 100% true, right? Like, no matter what the issue is, if unless I'm leaning on God, it's not going to, um, it's not going to get better. If I'm trying to do it on my own power, it's not going to be better. If I'm trying to will my brain chemicals to function the way they should, they're not going to get better. They need some sort of medical interaction or intervention in order for the synapses to fire the way that they need to and catch the way they need to and all of that. And I need to rely on God on top of that. Um, and so um, I think that we walk that line sometimes in seeking counsel from people that want to be helpful, but it actually causes, it can cause more harm and damage um, instead of going, yeah, I'm really sorry that you're going through this. And this really, this is really painful to watch you go through and to observe you struggling over. And I'm here, right? I don't believe that that verse in the Bible, by the way, is speaking about people with anxiety disorders. <laughs> I think it's speaking about the everyday worries of the world, right? We all have worry and concern. We don't all have a diagnosable anxiety disorder. There's a there's a big difference there. So the severity of something, for those of you that don't know, in the mental health world, we could have a million symptoms that are that align with mental health diagnoses, but we don't meet the full criteria. So we don't necessarily have that as a disorder, but we just might have some of the some of the symptoms of some of the illnesses, right? Um, so when we're looking at things that are actual disorders, it's a different realm. Um, similarly with depression, right? <clears throat> there is also within the church a unfortunate um, toxic positivity, right? Like don't talk about being sad. We've got the joy of the Lord, right? We can't talk about how you're depressed. You certainly shouldn't sit in that, right? As though, again, as though it's an option for people. And um, and so finding a way, I think it's important that churches are, and they are starting to understand mental health a lot better. <clears throat> um, in my area, there's an organization called um, His Heart Foundation, and it's a Christian organization that specifically works to destigmatize mental health in um, churches. And they partner with many of the local churches in the Vancouver area and some in Portland to, to provide links to mental health support and understanding. And they do some education as well. And it's beautiful, like having things like that, like that shows me that we're moving in the right direction, right? Where we're able to go, okay, so God is obviously overall and people still need help, right? People still need to get their teeth cleaned. They still need to do their yearly physicals. They still need to have their mental health looked at by somebody who can either prescribe a medication and or provide counseling. Like that is just part of the nature of who we are. Um, but going back to what I was saying before, like it being really individual and personalized, just like, just like how our faith is, right? Like my faith doesn't look like yours and it doesn't look like Janelle's and, um, and it's hundred percent mine right? It's 100% my relationship with Jesus. And um, how that plays out might look different on a daily basis or on a moment by moment basis between the three of us, but it doesn't make it less real or genuine or um, valuable. Um, and so when we're looking at all of the areas in our life, medical issues, mental health issues, um, financial issues, like all of those things, how we end up dealing with them and surrendering parts of ourselves to um, the wisdom of godly counsel and support, like those are all really individual things. Um, yeah, I don't know if I answered that. With no, that was great. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was really, really good. Okay. Made a lot of sense. Any other follow-up question to that, Savannah? Or... I, I don't know. I mean, she answered that really well. And it, like, it was literally a perfect mix of the both. It talked about, like I said, you know, how important it is to involve psychology. But at the same time, I like how you said, you know, it's important to get those mental health checks or talk to someone or get a medication if you need it, because there can be those chemical imbalances. But I love that you said at the same time on top of those, it won't get better if you're just relying on yourself. Yeah. You know, you need at the same time, you're still relying on God. So it's like mm -hmm. using both. And like you said, dealing with churches and stuff, breaking that stigma around mental health. This woman posted this beautiful 
blog online that I read and she was talking about how she was dealing with depression and she said that she prayed for it to go away for so long until finally one day she felt God speak on her heart and she realized that even if it wouldn't go away, she was going to be okay because God was going to be there even throughout those dark moments. And she said she that gave her some sort of peace that she couldn't even explain, you know? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really incredible that you can combine the two of them. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's different for every person. Some people don't need medication. Some do, but it's so fascinating. And I wish I could just talk to God and sit down with him directly and be like, hey, so yeah. how would you involve <laughs> all of this stuff all together? You know, it's so interesting to learn about. But yeah, you answered that really, really well. Well, thanks. Yeah, another part that I wanted to add, just add was being a Christian therapist makes it um, pretty awesome that I get to pray with my clients. And so mm-hmm. um, it, whether or and just share biblical truth with them as well. And so we talk, I talk a lot with my clients about how, um, you know, Jesus died on the cross. He took the stripes for our wellness and that he is our great counselor. He is the, the biggest of the counselors. Like I just work for him, you know, and um, talking about just that understanding, like surrendering, whatever that means, you right? Like we all, we all have to surrender the tough spots in our lives, um, whether it's it asking for him to intervene directly or seeking support from other people. And that can be your friend or it can be a doctor or a counselor. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, you. that's awesome. I really like uh, the concept of it's between you and him. You know, mm-hmm. because I think, man, I had a gal on here, uh, I think it was in March 2020, Kelly Lindsay, and she said something that's really resonated with me since then. I, I referenced it a lot, but she said, my confidence comes from alignment. And I think so often, you know, I was just talking with Abby McDonald about this last week, but like we're comparing. We're like, oh, over there, that person got healed of this, or this person doesn't have to take medication, or this person over here thinks that I shouldn't be taking medication. This person thinks that I'm sinning by not, you know, that there's an issue. But really, it's between us and the Lord. And I've found like that just that symbol of, okay, God, give me wisdom. That's yeah. a prayer that God answers, and he's mm-hmm. so faithful. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be this easy road. In fact, most of the time it's not. It may be really rocky. You may be on medication for the rest of your life. You may be that person who ends up in therapy and doing all the things and still struggling. But it's between you and him, and he has a plan for your life, and he loves you deeply. Mm-hmm. And I just think, man, if we could just stop comparing and judging one another and instead looking to him for our confidence then who cares because the person who's in therapy right they're impacting other people just by being through that process think of that testimony that life that light that shines to somebody else or the person who's taking medication is there for somebody further along who's going or behind them who's going I can't take medication well let me tell you for 20 years I've taken this and actually it's been great you know whatever like yeah. our story matters to somebody else and only the author gets to decide it's between us and him. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're the pen in his hand, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And it's just him and I, it, if it's just between you and him, then who cares? Who cares what other people think? I mean, I think we need community. We need people to support us. We need the church and other believers to be like, hey, yeah, you know, and, and that's great. But sometimes that doesn't happen. And when it doesn't, we need to look to the author and perfecter of our faith and go, God, I just want to, you and I only know. And I look in scripture and I see Job and the way his friends tried to counsel him and all the stupid things they said. So often we just say stupid things because we don't know the answers, like what you were saying, Bree. It's like we try to oversimplify things we don't understand. Yeah, Man, we do that all the time in all different areas. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I really appreciate you bringing... Um, some insight into that because I do think that that's so true that you know I don't know Savannah what your journey is going to look like only God knows Brie you know you and I have known each other for almost 20 years and uh, (laughs) and we we have different journeys and God is doing a good work you know and he is faithful and I tell this to my little eight he's not so little anymore it's not as cute anymore but I tell him all the time like you're not the policeman of everybody else. 
look to what God says, then just do it. Focus on what you have between you and him. You won't have time for all the other things, right? And Mm -hmm. that ricochets back to me too, you know, as I am telling him things. I'm receiving something myself like, no, just focus on you and me. And you won't be so annoyed by everybody else that's not doing it right, Janelle, Mm because you don't know anyway. (laughs) That's so true. My, um, My boyfriend actually said that the other day. Or yesterday we were talking about, we just came back from a group at my church because we do these little um, Thursday night group meeting things. And he said, yeah, a lot of people, you know, spend a lot of time focusing on everything else and all these answers and perfecting and this and this and that. And he goes, when it was just a cool thought he had, he said, if you're a believer, you know, you could spend more time. And we took that personally within ourselves too. We can spend more time bettering that relationship with God and asking God to give us wisdom and being like, hey, lead me where you need to lead me. And it kind of just, in a way, does simplify everything a little bit, but in a good way. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, Yeah, I always, always, always come back to that Jesus was really clear with us what we are supposed to do. We're supposed to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. And we're supposed to love our neighbors. That's it. Yep. Mm -hmm. And we don't do that well on the regular. So the rest of it, the gravy of it, like that's not our business. Like (laughs) our business is to do those two things, love God and love people. And that's it. I have a theory on that, actually. Share. Uh, Well, (laughs) when I was giving this... When I started this podcast and when I was talking recently at this women's retreat, I I keep coming back to this thing that Brennan Manning said a long time ago. Um, I think you and I might have talked about it before, Brie, but maybe Savannah, I mentioned it to you. But he said that I'm convinced on the day of judgment that the Lord Jesus will ask one question, only one question. Did you believe that I loved you? And I love that. And I've since heard um, a preacher, his name's Charles Price. He was speaking at Cannon Beach this August. I've talked about some of his uh, recordings from the year 2000. He was speaking at Cannon Beach then as well. You can find them all online. I'll link them in the show notes. But he was talking this August, and one of the things he said, um, he quoted this story, and I can't find the original source, but a university professor, I think um, a seminary professor, uh, said like did this survey of 150 of her students and said how many of you actually believe that god loves you and it was like two confidently could say that they really truly believed it most of them said stuff like i know that i should believe it or i i wish i did but i it's really hard for me and honestly i've talked to enough people to know that that is a struggle for so many professing believers And honestly, I believe what Brendan Manning said later on in that same quote, I don't know if that question will be the one question, I don't know. But he said, (laughs) so many Christians are missing that because the people that truly receive that, that know that God really, truly loves them, are set on fire by it. They're set on fire by it. And um, other people can see the counterfeit, right? And so, yes, we're called to love God. Yes, we're called to love people, but we can't do either. Not in a sense that isn't legalistic, unless we know that we are deeply, profoundly loved. And on our worst days, to quote a pastor who's been on here before, the God of the universe is crazy about you. Mm. You know. So any final thoughts from either of you? I mean, no, when you say something like that, there's really nothing more to say. No, like, how do we <laughs> follow up mic drop that. moment. Mic drop. Um, yeah. <laughs> Don't actually Now drop booking for 2022. <laughs> Drops the entire podcast set up on the ground. <laughs> Taking speaking engagements for 2022. Please check my website. Yes. Not joking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the promo. Go to my website. <laughs> Just 10 minutes of us linking everything. This has been so fun. (laughs) It has been fun. (laughs) Savannah, you enjoyed it. Thank you so much again for having me. Savannah, you've got the final question. It was nice to meet you too. Oh, sorry. I'm railroading the final question stuff. But yes. Okay. (laughs) I'm ready this time. I think I don't remember what episode, but Janelle asked me to ask it. And I said, oh, no. You got got this. Here we go. All All right. 
The Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Of those four gifts that we can find in Jesus Christ, which of those stand out to you the most in your life right now and why? Hmm. I think uh, that's a hard one. And it was, I believe it was a hard one when I was asked the first time I was on here, but um, I, I think authenticity is always a word that like rings true for what I aspire to be authentic in everything I do. Um, <clears throat> and love, like I just shared, I feel like is what I'm called most strongly to do. So I think those two um, would be, sort of my, my, my present standing position is in love. And my, my goal is always authenticity. And that means like, like truly digging around and understanding who I really am in the first place in order to be authentic to other people, like mm. being authentic to myself and to other people. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Brie, uh, I lied. Uh, we lied. Uh, that wasn't the final question. Uh-oh. One more question. Oh. Um, no, did I, I know. Did I miss it? No, no, no. I oh. know that. You... <laughs> no, it's just pulling a rabbit out of I the just, hat. Yeah. Right I, now. That's, that's I was like, oh, no, I messed up again. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, Benny, you did everything right. Um, <laughs> Bree, I know that you are, your caseload is full right now, but if anyone wants to find out more about you after this, and maybe it's local to the Vancouver or Portland area, Vancouver, Washington, or Portland, Oregon, how can they find you? My website is renewcounselingandconsultation.com. And you can find out more about me and my practice there and whether or not I have availability there. I am currently full. but um, And I'm licensed in Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Texas, Nebraska, and Montana. So if any of y'all are hearing this and you're in those states, I um, would be able, if my caseload provided, to um, work with anybody in those states. Wow. So you telehealth, so mm-hmm. like a Zoom call, but mm-hmm. in a more secure. That's yes. awesome. And she, yeah. all joking aside, uh, Brie is amazing. She's an amazing therapist. Um, she does have the gift of hospitality. She will make you feel like uh, a friend that you've been just waiting to see um, and bring so much joy to every client that she has and every friendship that she has too. I'm just so grateful she's one of my people. So there you go. She's turning red. We'll end the conversation there. Happy holidays, friend. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting co-hosts to join me to share their personal stories and to ask their honest questions about the Christian faith. Each month, we hope to feature a different co-host and together invite guests on to share from their own faith journeys and experiences. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all about what's so great about Jesus, I hope you come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with Him. Until next time.